Man, how many of you know that we are the church? The church is not just a building, although I am very thankful for a church to come and to worship the Lord. I'm thankful for these four walls, or one, two, three, however many walls we got in here. Uh, thankful for these four walls where we can come in and worship. But the church is a building, but the church is more than that. We are the church, and that's what we talked about last week and for a couple of weeks. Were you able to go out and be the church this week? I hope that you were. hope that you were able to show uh, God's love and kindness and power and might and forgiveness to all of those who are around you. That is what being the church is all about, and that's what we're talking about for uh, these, these uh, couple of weeks here. I uh, hope that you're able to be the church as, as we go out and, and we leave this place. Uh, the question is, where does the Lord want to take this church? This body right here, of course, there's the, the, the large, the, the capital C church where God wants to take his church, and that's from uh, all over the world, all over the globe. What does God, where does God want to move his church, and what is he doing in different places? But also for today, what is God, where does God want to take this church, Friendship Church? Uh, like I said, it's beyond these four walls. Hopefully the church is going into Pecan Grove and Longmeadow Farms and up north to Katy and south to Rosenberg, and, and that we can stretch out all over this area right here. But where does the church, or where does God want to take this church? That's the question that I'm asking us this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. If we're going to talk about the church, we've got to see where the church started. In Acts chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, we will have several of the scriptures uh, up here for you to be able to see. Acts chapter 2. We're Pentecostal. Do we know what happens in this chapter? No. Am I the only one that knows what happens in this chapter? <laughs> All right. Day of Pentecost happens in Acts chapter 2. The first part of Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit uh, descended. Tongues of fire, they began to speak in other tongues. And there were people who began to ask some questions. What are these people doing? And Peter, who was uh, kind of the, the, the leader, I guess, uh, of the disciples. There was about 120 in that upper room. And he stands up and, and begins to preach a sermon. And he, and he begins to tell the people what is going on. And so we, we have heard, uh, heard this uh, as well. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Uh, your old men will dream dreams. I will pour out my spirit. He begins to tell of, of all of this. And he begins to uh, tell them about the love of Jesus Christ as well. He says, let everyone know for certain that God has made this Jesus I'm not there. I'm not there to my, to my notes yet. I'm just letting you know what, what he talked about. That this Jesus whom you crucified, <laughs> who you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. So the Messiah had come. The, the, the Jews or the Israelites had been looking for the Messiah to come for a long time. And Peter says, this guy Jesus, the one that you crucified, that's the Messiah. He is the Messiah. And he died on the cross for your sins, for our sins. He didn't stay dead and buried. That's a great place to say hallelujah. But he rose again from the grave, still living. We serve a living God, not a dead God. We serve a living God. And that's what Peter says. Peter says that this Jesus whom you crucified, 
he is the Messiah. And so we pick it up there in verse 37, as it says that Peter's words pierced their hearts. Have you ever heard a sermon that pierced your heart? As I say, it kind of hit me between the eyes is what I say. Hit me right between the eyes. I said, okay, preacher, get finished because i got to go down to the altar. <laughs> I've, had, I've had a couple of those. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? What should we do? We need to be ready with an answer for this, by the way. Whenever we have uh, family members or coworkers or neighbors, when they get to the point of realization that they need a Savior and they say something to the effect of, well, what do I do? We need to have something of an answer prepared and ready to go for them, right? Typically, what we like to say is, well, you need to start going to church. Okay. Yes, that's good. Or typically, we'll say, well, you need to start reading your Bible. Yes, that's good. But here's what Peter says to the question, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That was Peter's answer to them. Now, it says that just to, just to mention this, there was salvation, and then there was also the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm not, that's not what I'm unpacking today, but I just wanted to let that know. There is salvation, and then there is also the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Those are two separate things, different things. You don't have to have the baptism in the Holy Spirit to get this over here, to get salvation, okay? It's separate things. Not unpacking that today. All right, bring it back. Let's get to what I am talking about today. <laughs> he says, you must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. It's not, here's a little book on something to read. Repent. Turn around. Okay, if we are heading in this direction, this is we, the, the, the Jesus that, that we crucified, we are heading in this direction. We are sinners, which by the way, um, people will not, let's see how I'll say this. People don't understand, if people do not understand that they are a sinner, they will not need a need, they will not have a need for a savior. Try that again. <clears throat> if people do not understand that they are sinners, then they will not think that they need a savior. So it's more than just, oh, it's okay, it's okay. No, there are, well, it says in Ephesians and other places that you are enemies of God if there are sin. And if there is sin in your life, you are a sinner and you need to turn to God. And if we don't understand that we, many of, the, many of us in this room, at one point were a sinner. We were enemies of God. We chose our way. We knew God's way. We chose our way. And unless we understand that, we will not see a need for a sinner, for a savior. And so that's why we say, well, you know, it, it's okay. Just, you know, if you just, you know, do your best. It's not doing your best. You can't do your best to earn salvation and to earn heaven. You only get that through Jesus Christ. And, and, and being, <laughs> being weak <laughs> and just letting it, well, you know, it's a, you're trying, aren't you? You're trying. 
That, that doesn't point them to a Savior. If they don't realize, if we don't realize that we are sinners, we will never see the need for a Savior. But we have a need for a Savior. So as we are going this direction, away from God and in sin, which leads to destruction, okay? Some, we, we, we try to, you know, sugarcoat it. and what the, It's just mistakes. I just made a mistake. It's sin. When we sin and we are going the wrong way. I'm, I'm making the cameraman work this morning. I'm coming way over here. We are going the wrong direction. Peter says to repent, which is to turn around and go the other direction toward God. That means that we're going to have to turn our back on some things that we might think are okay. But we turn our back on sin and destruction and what we think is right, and we turn toward God and we start going in this direction. And until we see that view ourselves as sinners, we will not see a need for a Savior. And we can keep walking this way. Well, I'm doing okay. I, you know, I messed up today, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. I just messed up a little bit. We have to repent and turn and go in this direction toward God. That is repentance. Our sins are forgiven not because we tried, not because we did our best, but because we turned to Jesus Christ. We turned to Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter says. Then he says in verse 39, this promise, talking about the Holy Spirit, and talking about this forgiveness of sins, this promise is to you and to your children. Everybody say, your children. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. This is something that the Israelites throughout their history, if you read the Bible, they kind of had this roller coaster relationship with God where they, they love God and they're up on the mountaintops and then a few years go by and then they're down here in the bottom. And then, and then uh, a prophet comes and talks to them and then they come back up on the mountaintop, hey, we love God. And then after a few years, they're way back here. Much of the reason for that is because they didn't teach their sons and their daughters, their children, about the love of Jesus Christ, the mighty works of Jesus Christ. And there were passages of scriptures where say that a new generation grew up and they did not know the miracles of the previous generation. Peter knows his history. Peter knew it and said, listen, you guys receive this. You guys repent. But don't just do it for yourself. Tell your children. Do you want your children? What direction do you want your children to walk? If you're walking this way toward God, but your children are walking this way toward destruction, what are we doing? What are we doing? We have to bring your, get, go get your kid. No, 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 we're going this way. We're going in this direction. We're walking this way towards God. Kids need to know that they are never too far away from God. Our children, our next generation, listen, I am thankful for second chances. These, uh, these people who asked Peter, what do we do? Many of them were very religious. They knew what they were supposed to do, but they were not doing it. I'm thankful that God gave them a second chance, and it was Peter preaching a message to them. 
God gives us second chances as well. And I am so thankful for second chances. And as mothers and fathers, don't we give our children another chance as well? We love them and we teach them and we guide them and we show them what to do, but we give them another chance as well. I am so thankful that we have a model in Jesus Christ that gives us another chance. Raise your hand if you're thankful for another chance to serve the Lord. Raise your hand. Your children need to know that too, because right now what they're being taught is something called cancel culture. What they're being taught is if you mess up, you're out. There are people who are getting fired from their jobs because of something they tweeted eight years ago. Like, what is going on? Like, you probably shouldn't have tweeted that eight years ago. But the further we get away from God, the less grace that we're going to have with other people. Like, where is the grace in our society, in our world, in our church? Let's not talk about them. Let's talk about in the church. Do we have grace with each other when we make a mistake? Do we have grace with our children when they make a mistake? I'm thankful that God gave me forgiveness, gave me a second chance, and third chance, and fourth chance, and 50th chance. So we're going to give extend that to our children as well. We were sitting in the office, we were in the, in the Netherlands, we were talking with the general superintendent of of, uh, well, the Assemblies of God, they called it the VPA, but the, our, our church organization called the VPA, and we were talking to them about starting a kids' camp in the Netherlands. And his question was, why should we have a kids' camp? Which I thought it was an interesting question. Why have a kids' camp? And I answered in the only way that I could think, and I, and I thought, let me ask you something. Would you like there to be a VPA 40, 50 years from now? And he says, well, yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, then you better make sure that the children that are in our church know what the VPA is and know who God is and know that he loves them and that he is mighty and we want to teach our next generation because one day you're going to be long gone. Where is the VPA going to be then? Where is the church going to be then? And so I ask you, Friendship Church, how, do you want Friendship Church to still be here in 40, 50 years? A mighty church who is reaching out to the community. Yes, I'm looking forward to the next month and the next year. Do you want this church to be here in 50 years? Whether you're here or not, then what do we do? We teach our children. We teach our kids. And when our kids are walking in this direction, we don't say, well, they got to figure it out for themselves. We grab them by the ear or by the leg or by whatever, and we bring them this way. Because we know the road that leads to destruction, and so we walk with them this way. Fathers, we grab our children, and we take them this way. Now, for those of you who think you're in the room today, you're long, long past the years where you're raising children, okay? The seasoned saints of what I'm talking about, okay? I like to call them seasoned saints, <laughs> okay? You say, oh, okay, well, this is one of those sermons now where you're talking about kids, so this really doesn't apply to me. Maybe I can check out just a little bit. I'm talking to you as well because, again, where do you want the church to be in 40 years? I'm assuming you want a strong church. So then you set an example 
as someone who is mature and who has followed the Lord for the last 50 years, 250 years, hallelujah, however long you follow the Lord, and then you show that you show the younger generation, this is how we parent. This is how we take kids along. This is how we worship God. This is how we do it. This is for everyone. We're the family of God, right? We're all in this together. So seasoned saints, we need you. We haven't, we haven't, we haven't walked down this road as far as you have. So we don't know some of the hurdles that we're going to go through. Teach us. Show us where to go, what to do. Pray for us. Pray with us. Show us how to pray. Show us how to tithe. Show us how to be kind. Show us how to be grandparents. We are all in this together. Then Peter continued, verse 40. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. He preached a lot longer than I'm about to preach, okay? I'm just letting you know. Peter preached for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Some of us think that we're living right now in the first crooked generation. No, we are not. This is not the first crooked generation. This, is, this happened 2,000 years ago, and there was a crooked generation going on. And there were some crooked people in the next generation and in the next generation. But how many of you know there's some godly people in this generation as well? And those godly people need to have a little boldness to stand up and to fight against that crooked generation. And since you have been in the fight a lot longer than this current generation, you can show us how to fight, right? You can show the younger ones. I keep saying us. You can show the, the younger ones how to fight. Save yourself from this crooked generation. When one generation does not put an emphasis on the things of God, the next generation does not think the things of God are important. Let me say that again. When one generation does not put an emphasis on the things of God, then the next generation does not think the things of God are important. So we have to teach the next generation the things of God. Listen, we put emphasis on school, we put emphasis on sports, and we put emphasis on a lot of stuff, and some of that's fine and good. But if we are not putting emphasis on the Word of God, we are losing a generation, and they can make straight A's and hit the game-winning home run, but then walk in that direction toward hell. I'd rather make them make B's and strike out to lose the game and walk in that direction every day of the week. Every day of the week. And when the generation that does not teach that the things of God are important, the next generation looks to the culture to tell them what is important. I don't want the culture to tell my kids what they should be doing, where they should spend their time, what they should spend their money on, the things that they think should be important. I don't want the culture, society, telling my children 
the next generation of this church, what is important. Because there are many out there that do not think that the church is important. In fact, to go further, there are many out there that think that the church is dangerous. It's, it's well, it's dangerous to their way of living. <laughs> because if there's a God and they're living wrong and they don't like to be told they're living wrong. <clears throat> but we have to tell our next generation because they will look to the culture to tell them what is important. In fact, we shoot ourselves in the foot whenever we don't teach them the things of God. Because the things of God, one of the commandments even, is to honor your father and mother. So when you don't teach them the things of God, they don't learn lessons like honor your father and mother, and so therefore children do not honor their father and mother. We shoot our own selves in the foot by not teaching them the things of God. There was an article a couple of uh, months ago in the New York Times. It says, do we really need fathers? I didn't read the article. I just saw that and hit X, and I was like, <laughs> do we need fathers? Anything to break apart the family dynamic that God created from the very beginning is what many in this culture are trying to do. They're trying to split up a family that God has created. Fathers aren't that important. Mothers aren't that important. Do whatever you want to do. Listen, we get our view of God from our view of our Father, typically speaking. There are many of us that if we had a Father that was very loving and caring and gave us hugs and, and, and all of these things, then our view of God is one of compassion and grace and love. Many of us, if we had maybe not a bad Father, but, but a Father that was very stern and very strict, very rules-oriented, many times, not all the time, but many times, that is our view of our Heavenly Father as well. There obviously is a time for strictness and discipline because, again, we don't want our kids going in this direction. There is a time for that, and it has to happen. And there also is a time for love and grace and forgiveness. And us as fathers, we have to have both of those. And sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's hard, and sometimes we mess up. And sometimes I lay down at night, and I go, well, messed up. I'll get him again tomorrow. <laughs> but that's, that is what we have to do. We went to a church one time, and, and uh, family walked in, and I, we knew the family very well. It was a husband and wife and three boys. And they walked in, the husband and wife, and two boys walked in. And so I just began to talk, just a little small talk with, with the father. And, and I said, hey, uh, where is your, uh, where's your oldest boy? I saw the, the two walk in. Where's your, where's your oldest? And he said, oh, he's at home today. And I kind of pried a little bit. And I said, oh, okay, is, is he sick or is something going on? He says, no, he just didn't want to come to church today. And I said, how, how old is your son? <laughs> and he said, 12. And I said, I said, you don't, you don't think he needed, I, I probably just a little bit more. I said, you don't think he needed to come to church today? And he said, well, he is at that age where he is still trying to decide if he wants to be a Christian or not. 
I did not pry any further. <laughs> it was church. It was supposed to be a happy occasion. Um, but I thought, um, my 12-year-old's going to church. If he's still trying to decide if he wants to be a Christian or not, then let's go to church and let me show you what being a Christian is all about. Because we, I want you to feel and experience the love of Jesus Christ and to worship him. How is he going to make an informed decision if he's not put in front of God? My kids are, going to, my kids are, are obnoxiously going to go to church all the time. They will tell you that. <laughs> in fact, not only are they going obnoxiously to church all the time, they're going to be there early, which really gets on their nerves. But that's okay. We're going to get there early. And we're going to make sure that we're there. And we're going to help out. And we're going to experience the love of Jesus Christ in the house of God. Let them, let them pick. I, 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 don't, I don't have that same argument with, are you going to eat vegetables or clean your room? We're going to church. This is a, this is a family that goes to church. This is a church that Pray, or this is a family that prays before we eat. This is a church that prays before we go to bed at night. We read our Bible. In this family, in this house, we worship God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is the attitude, dads, that we have to have. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Not on my watch, people. This is how the church began. The church began by Peter saying, Repent, turn from your wicked ways, but not just you. Get your kids involved. Bring your kids along. Your kids need to know the word of God. This is how the church started. The family is an important, integral part of the church, of all of us. So much so that verse 41 continues, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. 3,000? What if we gain 3,000 next Sunday? Goodness gracious. Eight services, okay? <laughs> my, my throat would be killing me, but that's okay. Good problems to have, okay? I'm okay with good problems to have. All the believers devoted themselves. This is the start of the church, okay? This is the start of the church. I mentioned this verse last week. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. That's what the Lord's Supper And to prayer. Not that this is a formula, but this is the things that they did. They got their families together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They fellowship with one another. They remember what the Lord did for them on the cross together through the Lord's Supper. And they prayed. That's what they did. That's what we need to do as a church. But not just me, not just for you, but for everyone in our family. 43, a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property, possessions, and shared the money with those in need. It was a real community. They came together and they understood that when God blesses me, I'm able to bless other people. And I am so thankful that we can have that attitude. And listen, God's watching us. When God blesses us, he, lo- he looks to see if we hold it for ourselves. And if that happens, he just turns that faucet off. 
But if we're the type of people that when we get blessings given to us and then we allow those blessings to flow to other people, he turns that faucet right back on. And he says, these are the type of people that I can trust with my blessings. So if you're looking up and, God, you're blessing everybody else. Why don't you bless me? What did you do with the last blessing that you got? Did you hold on to it? That's another sermon. That's not even what I'm talking about. Verse 46, they worship together at the temple each day, each day. Am I going to see you all tomorrow? Huh? <laughs> they worship to the, at the temple. So once again, that is another verse, another example of meeting at the church. We meet at the building together. And then in the very, we just continue the sentence, okay? They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So they met in homes as well outside of church, and they took communion outside of church. You see that? They took You can have communion at the house when you have family over, friends over. That's not just a church thing. That's what they did. They met in the church, but they were the church outside, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I want Friendship Church to be in a position to where we are adding every day those who are not just coming to church, but those who are being saved those who were walking this direction toward destruction, but because of the love of Friendship Church that we showed them the love of God, they turned and began to walk in this direction because we showed the love of Jesus Christ to them. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church that I want us to be. So where are we going, church? Where does God want us to go? In fact, where do we want our kids to go? Psalm 119, 105. Many of you know it. Preacher, come on up, my friend. I'm ready for you. Psalm 119, 105, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Your word is a lamp to my, is a, is a lamp to my feet to guide my feet and a light for my path. Where do we want to go? Where is the church going to go? There are too many people right now who are walking in darkness. They don't know where to go. They're in this generation. They're in this culture, and they don't know just yet. And they're trying to feel around, and they're trying to guess. They're trying to guess their identity. They're trying to guess who they even are. There are some asking themselves the question, am I a boy or a girl? Some of the simplest questions that God answered a long time ago. But it's a generation who had parents who did not teach and put an emphasis on the Word of God. And so now they have a question, and it's a simple question. Am I a boy or a girl? (laughs) The Word says, The Bible says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I know where to go because I'm following the word of God. So these questions are elementary and they're already answered for me. But there are many who are walking in darkness 
And sometimes the simplest questions that they don't know how to answer, they don't know the question to because they don't have a father or a spiritual father to lead them in the right direction. There is a right answer to that question. It's not just how you feel that day. There is an answer to that question. And God answered that a long time ago. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Church, we've got to teach the next generation. First of all, we can't take them anywhere that we haven't been ourselves. So if we're on this road, as Peter says, we've got to repent ourselves. Okay? So we can't take our kids. Well, our kids will figure it out. No, 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 no. We take our kids. So our kids are never going to go anywhere that we have not already been ourselves. So we as the church, once we have repented and turned our way to the Lord, then we take our kids as well. We take the next generation with us, and we go in the right direction. We're going to do something special this morning, I believe. I'm excited to see. I've asked Pastor Craig to bring the kids in, and we're going to pray as a family this morning. So kids, how we doing? Everybody, let's give our kids a big hand. This is the next generation coming up. Parents, parents, if you'd like to, you can stand up, wave at your kid. Wave at your child. Come on, come on, kids. Go ahead and find your mom and dad. Those of you who are up in the in the sound booth, if you would like to come join us, you will, you can, because we're gonna have a prayer time here together, all right? I hope you're okay with a little bit of chaos. It's about to happen, okay? We got kids running through the church. Children, find your mom, find your dad. We're going to have a special time of prayer with the family. We're going to get the whole church together here, all right? This is great. Let's all stand together, and we're going to pray this morning. We're going to pray for our family. We're going to pray for the next generation. We're going to pray for our church. How many of you want a church moving in the right direction? How many of you want a church filled with mothers and fathers who take their children in the right direction as well? So I want you to get with your family unit, I guess. So if you've, if you've got, so go ahead, sit with your mom, sit with your dad. If you've got a granddad, get all of you there together, okay? Because we're going to pray together. If you don't have a family here, I want you to just go ahead and grab somebody else. Say, I'm in your family for today, okay? I'm a distant cousin. You didn't know. It's okay. I don't want anybody standing by themselves, okay? No one standing by themselves. I want you to just go ahead. You're a distant cousin, okay? And we're going to pray together. <laughs> this is great. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I want you to get together with your family. This is how we're going to start. We're going to have two prayers. This is how we're going to start. Dads, dads, you're the head of the house, so you're going to pray. And you're going to pray for your family. Now, everybody can pray. That's fine. Everybody can pray a little bit. But, Dad, I want you to lead in that prayer, and I want you to pray for your family. And you can pray for whatever you feel led to pray, for safety, pray that they would learn to love the Lord, that brothers and sisters would learn to love each other. 
that dad would be a good dad, that mom would be a good mom. Let's take a minute or two here and let's pray for our family, okay? Dads, I want you to lead. Maybe there's a granddad in the family. That's fine. But take that lead and let's pray for our family, all right? Ready? Go. Begin to pray. Begin to pray for your family there. All right, the next prayer. Kids, I want you to get around your dad. And kids, I want you to pray for your dad, okay? I want you to pray whatever you want to pray for your dad. Pray that he would love you and show you how to love Jesus and help him on his job and help him be the head of the family. Whatever you want to say, okay? But kids, I want you to surround your dad. I want you to take just 30 seconds. I want you to pray for dad, all right? Go ahead. Amen. Kids, did you pray for dad? Good. All right, last thing I want to ask Pastor Craig to come up to the front. Pastor Craig is our children's pastor, does a great job all the time. Got to got to spend a little time with him the other day. Uh, does a great job. I've asked him to come up and to pray for uh, the families of the church, families of the community here. And so he's going to end us in prayer this morning. And so uh, thank you. Thank you for all that you do upstairs. Absolutely. And, and, and more than just upstairs. But uh, thank you for all that you do. So pray for us today. Would you guys bow your heads with me? Dear Lord, thank you for your strength. Thank you for your guidance, Lord God. Lord, we pray for these families, not only that they just remember to keep their eyes fixed on you, Lord God, but that they remember that you are in control, that, that whatever they're worried about, they're feared about, they're, they're, they're struggling with, that they just remember to keep their eyes fixed on you, Lord God. Lord, we pray not only for, for the little kids that, that they're raising to grow and strengthen in you, Lord God, we are also praying for the fathers and the mothers that are guiding them, that they just remember the end goal is you, God, that you are in control, you are strengthened, and you are mighty, mighty to be praised, Lord God. Lord, I pray for not only the families that are here, but I also pray for the families that aren't here, the families that are struggling, the families that are worried, the families that don't know you, Christ, that they just receive you that they just seek you and they just remember that they're not only their their father that's there in the house but the father that's up in heaven is there watching over them Lord God Lord we give all these things in your mighty and powerful name amen let's give the Lord a hand cup of praise today what a good day Let me just say this as we're closing service. I talked about um, repentance and salvation and, and forgiveness and going the wrong way and this way. If you want to talk more about that, salvation, uh, giving your heart to the Lord, I want to give opportunity for that at the end of service. So I'm going to hang out here for a few minutes. And if you have any questions about giving your heart to the Lord, I want to talk to you for a moment, not about your sins or whatever, but just to pray with you and answer any questions that you may have. Uh, this is a safe place and a good place to come and give your heart to the Lord. And so I want to give that opportunity today. So uh, I'll be hanging out up here, so come and talk to me after service. Well, service is over, but church is not, right? Service is over, but church is not. Let's go out 
of these doors and be the church. Love you guys. See you later.